Hello and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of PhD Addicted to Research, where we are going to be discussing the first few weeks of a PhD. We'll be chatting about our experiences, uh, what we got up to and some tips and advice for making the most of the first three to four weeks. We also have a guest interview with Ollie, the Doctoral Engagement Manager at the University of Bath, who will be telling us about the kind of preparations and activities that go on to welcome the new doctoral students. My name's Chloe and I'm a first year PhD student at the University of Bath studying the relationship between cannabis, tobacco and mental health using cross-country data and different experimental and epidemiological methods. Today I'm joined by Carol and Zoe. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi Chloe, hi Zoe. Uh, my name is Carol and I am a final year PhD student. I'm doing my PhD while I've just submitted my thesis at uh, the Addictions Department at King's College London. So my research is looking at uh, contingency management and how we can deliver these interventions remotely uh, using mobile telephones. Brilliant. Um, hi everyone, uh, my name's Zoe. I'm a second year PhD student at Liverpool John Moores University and I'm doing a mixed methods study looking at uh, behavioural interventions for smoking cessation in drug and alcohol treatment services. Excellent stuff. Thank you both for coming along today. So the topic of this pod is the first few weeks. Um, as a new first year student, that's pretty fresh for me. So if I couldn't remember that, I think I'd be quite worried. <laughs> but it's certainly been a busy time. Um, you guys are both further along in your PhD timeline. So what do you both remember about starting your PhDs? I remember the first week being a bit confusing. Um, I felt like I was supposed to be really productive and PhDing, whatever that meant. Um, my first day I got sent home because of, of an admin problem that couldn't get me on the system. So that was a little bit deflating. Um, so mostly admin, I think, was the first week, certainly. Figuring out, um, you know, where do I sit? Where's the coffee? Where's the toilet? Where's the library? How do I get in? How do I log on to stuff? What do I need to know? A lot of a lot of admin was boring. Yeah, and not really being very productive or feeling very productive. I yeah, I had a, a similar <laughs> experience as Zoe. I yeah, my computer didn't work on my first day. Uh, <laughs> so I spent some time trying to figure out who who could give me a, a computer that works. So once we got that sorted, I mean that was the first day. But then like the first week it's just like saying hello to people, having a tour around the building. If you haven't, in my experience, I, I had worked at, uh, within the department for a couple of months, um, not so not that long. Uh, so I didn't obviously didn't need a tour around the building. But if it's your first week, that's what it's going to unfold. So there's going to be a lot of things that you do in your first week. But for me, it was just figuring out how to get a working computer and stocking up on coffee and making sure that my snack drawer had some nice goodies in it. <laughs> I like the idea, Zoe, that PhDing is a, a verb <laughs> that has certain activities attached to it. Yeah, no one's sure what they are, but it sounds good, right? <laughs> Can I also say that obviously for people who are listening, there's probably people who are going to be right at the beginning of it. Just take a minute to sit back and pat yourself in the back and, <laughs> and just appreciate that after months and months of hard work of trying to get onto a PhD, you made it. And you got there. So just take a minute to just sit back and appreciate that you are there. You've got three years, four years, whatever length of time it takes you to do this. So PhD in does not need to happen in your first week or even your second week. It's, uh, yeah, find your feet and 
it is such an exciting time but it's also really scary I'm not gonna lie I remember being a little bit uh, feeling overwhelmed at the sheer mass of work that uh, I had proposed in my PhD project outline um, and I remember feeling in the first few days thinking whew I think I need to crack on with this now um, but that's not what it's about my first you know my first few days was meeting my supervisors and and uh, meeting other people around the department yeah, I think I actually took a week off. I think my second week, <laughs> which I'm now really glad I did because I haven't had a week off in a long time. Um, but I, it worked out that I finished a, a job and then started the PhD like the next day. So whereas I'd planned to have a little bit of downtime in between. And when I started, both of my, um, my, my first two supervisors were off sick. So there wasn't a great deal I could do. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a week off. So we got all the important stuff set up. I still did some reading and stuff, but it was like, actually, this is a really good time to take a week off. Why not? So, That's such a good idea. <laughs> take the time when you can. So we had mentioned, um, you know, like your supervisors being off. And I find that was probably one of the most important things that I did do in my first week. So my supervisors, um, they all knew each other. Uh, so in terms of communicating between them and... Um, and, and having supervisions with them and setting up meetings was, was a bit easier. But for people who, they could be working with supervisors who have never worked with each other or two supervisors who don't even know each other. So in the first week, I think it's a good idea to meet with your primary supervisor and set up a time where you and all your supervisors can have a meeting together. And of course, in this, in this day and age, that's probably going to be over Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever it is, um, if it can't be face-to-face. But I think it's important to to have that time where you sit down with all your supervisors because what I realise and I think we've all had this experience all our supervisors work in different ways um, and it's, sometimes that's really difficult because you feel like you're kind of in the middle um, and but one supervisor how they work might be different to, to your second supervisor so it's really helpful from the get-go to sit down with them and make sure that all your expectations align and you all agree on like a schedule for meeting and how often you are going to um, meet separately or how often you are going to meet um, collectively. So that was probably one of the most important things I did do in my first week, um, besides attending the induction and the boring admin and paperwork. <laughs> I think, yeah, you're probably right. That's one of the most crucial things, isn't it, in those first few weeks is touching base with your supervisors. It's funny because people come from lots of, different routes so I already worked with a couple of my supervisors on my master's so we already knew each other but part of that first few weeks was checking in and saying actually you're not a master's student anymore you're a PhD student now so how does that look different and how do we almost kind of shift the expectation of how supervision works to how it now works for a PhD but people might come onto a PhD having not really sat down with their supervisor properly before if they've applied for like a a pre- um, a pre-advertised project so lots to discuss in that first few meeting and to yeah really set the base for the rest of the PhD as well. That's a good point um, and I think that for some people they may not have even met their supervisor in person at that stage uh, so it's really just about building up that relationship isn't it and and thinking I know whenever we think about scheduling meetings and all that type, type of thing it sounds very mundane and boring but it's so it is so essential and it's just about figuring out who has a responsibility of doing that 
And I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but I think that it should be us as PhD students. I think that we should be proactive in saying to our supervisors, look, how often do you think that we should meet? And then you set up the, the meeting appointments or uh, or even the agenda for those meetings and that type of thing in align to uh, their schedule and, and when they think that we should meet. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I was in a similar position to both of you by the sound of it that I well, did my master's in the same department, although they moved buildings, so I suddenly did the tour. Um, <laughs> and I'd worked with um, my DOS, I'd worked with him, um, my second supervisor, I'd been uh, my master's supervisor, and then the third supervisor I hadn't, well, I think I'd met her once before I started. So uh, it was kind of uh, bringing everyone together and going, well, I've worked with you in this way and I've worked with you in this way and I've never worked with you, but you two have worked together and you two have worked together. So bringing that all together and just getting everyone's kind of expectations out on the table and being quite upfront about that because I was like, I don't know quite how this works. You supervised PhD students before, you know, give me your advice, tell me what you think works and then taking ownership of that and going, okay, well, I think this works for me. Let's set up meetings however often and move forward because it is... That for me was, I think, a little bit tricky, was going, this is my project and I'm, I'm in charge of it. I need your advice and support, but it's still my project. And trying to explain, I know they all knew what the project was about, but going through that you know, in real depth and detail and kind of getting my point across and, and how I felt about it was, was really important thing for me to do really early on. I think as well, another, um, as, as Zoe was saying, like, you know a lot about your project and... That's one of the things that we do know whenever we start our PhD. That's one of the things that is, is certain whenever we arrive that first day. We know what our project is going to be about and the proposal. We might not know the nitty gritty or how we're going to really conduct it thoroughly, but we know the idea of it. But what we might not know is what the university expects of us and how the PhD actually operates, um, especially within that department. So I think it's really important to A, attend all your inductions that you need to attend. <laughs> B, make sure that you've got like an induction pack. Um, and I guess that can be accessed either through your supervisors or the doctoral school or whoever's the head of um, postgrads in your doctoral studies. Just make sure you've got access to that induction pack because that's going to contain all the key pieces of information, um, all the milestones that you need to meet, whether you have to do upgrades and fives and that type of thing along the way, um, or progress reports. So the university is going to have certain things that they demand of you. Uh, so I think from the get-go, it's good to have a look at what they are and make sure that you're familiar with them and speak to your supervisor about how you're going to achieve um, the goals that the university outlines for you. And of course, you might also have, your funders might have expectations as well. So I know with us um, as SSA-funded students, we have to report as, once a year. Um, back to the SSA to, to update them on our progress. So, But every funded body is going to be different, so it's worth uh, keeping an eye or sussing out what their expectations are. Yeah, I think there's also sometimes, um, from what I've heard from people funded by uh, major kind of research councils like the ESRC or MRC, there's also induction events separate to your funding research councils. So not to only make sure that you're checking in with the things that are going on with your university in terms of compulsory induction but also to check in with your your funding body as well whether there's anything they expect you to be at <laughs> um so zoe you started at a slightly different time to what people i think typically think of as a phd starting date you started in february um was that 
a different experience for you at all? Would you have any tips for someone starting maybe not with the the main bunch of people in September? I think it was it was a really good thing and, and probably had some negatives as well, depending on how you look at it. Um, I think I got a little bit forgotten at times because I was the only person in my department that started then. And because I'd been in and out for work, working there and studying there, people just like, oh, hey, you're still here. Like, I started today, but you were here last week. Yeah. <laughs> so it caused a little <laughs> bit of confusion just to kind of what my role was. Um, but that was more because of my situation than because I started in February, I think. Um, the university did still do um, like a university induction and stuff, but I think my like faculty induction was me and some woman um, having a chat over coffee which was nice because it was quite informal, but instead of meeting other students and, and doing all that, it was, oh, you already know it, you've been here before, it's fine. Um, so, you know, it was good, but it was also a bit like, okay, and what do I do now, please? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, it's, it's can be, it can be a bit difficult, but at the same time, it meant there were other people that had started a few months before me that I could go to for, you know, okay, so this is quite fresh for you, what, what did you do at this point? Which was helpful. Um, so, yeah, it was... Interesting. I think people forget that people start at different times of the year. I think my university has three entry points throughout the year. You have to start, I think, in September, late January, early February, and then around July. So it can kind of, particularly at the moment when everything's online, it can be quite easy to kind of fall through the cracks if there isn't this one big cohort all starting at the same time. So perhaps we as existing students need to make a bit more of an effort to make sure people do feel included. Yeah, and also I think those... The, the paperwork I don't want paperwork to be a theme of this podcast but it might end up being that um, the paperwork is there for everyone starting at all different time points as well so um, if you do feel a little bit lost whether you're starting with in September January or any other point in the year always to refer back to the the guidance that will be there for you provided by your doctoral college and your university as well Today we have an interview with Ollie Schofield, Doctoral Engagement Manager at Bath. It's great to meet you Ollie and thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you. So we'd like to talk to you a bit today about the first few weeks of a PhD and the induction experience. So could you maybe start off by just telling us a bit about your role and what doctor engagement means? Okay that's a really broad question but I'll give it a go. So <laughs> so. I guess my role, I'm responsible for the student experience at the university for our PhD students. Um, what that entails is I largely oversee our events programme. So we've got a large events programme for researchers. So that's to kind of keep them engaged with research opportunities to support their well-being um, and also to get, get PhD students to, to network with other students. Um, the other part of my role is student feedback, so, and I guess this links into what student engagement is. So we have annual surveys each year, which kind of gives us an indication of whether PhD students are happy in the institution, whether they feel supported. Um, and I guess one, one of my major roles is really using that feedback to bring some improvements and some changes to, to what we deliver at the university. Um, so that often involves sitting in lots of long committee meetings, talking with senior members of staff, um, but really importantly, talking to students in staff student layers and committees, using that feedback to bring about positive changes. Um, and we've done that on various different projects, uh, enhancing conditions of postgraduate teachers in the university, um, improving provision for, for mental health, improving um, facilities such as study space, etc. So, so lots of different aspects to the role, um, but really interesting and really exciting. 
Amazing. Um, that was a bit of a tricky question, wasn't it? Sorry to launch that one at you straight off the bat. But it's amazing to hear that that kind of role is something which is in place at a university. Is that kind of thing, that, that feedback and that support process, something which is universal across kind of doctoral communities across the UK? Um, I think it varies from institution to institution. So institutions definitely um, survey students and definitely want to collect student feedback. So um, the national survey, which is the Postgraduate Research Experience Survey, PRES as institutions know it, um, largely lots of universities take part in that and that takes place sort of every year or every couple of years depending on what institutions choose what we're starting to see across the 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 country now is much more investment in pgr experience i I think people have recognized more and more students are doing phd study um, and also they come with significant challenges so so we know there's there's lots of areas in terms of maintaining that positive well-being so there's more roles like myself kind of coming um throughout the the sort of country to improve the student experience i think the focus previously has always been on research and development so making Mm -hmm. sure that researchers are I've got the right sort of training skills in order to develop as a researcher, but also to help them with their future employability. But that's starting to slowly change. And it's more about making sure people are feeling um, supported and feeling like there's opportunities within an institution and really making the student experience better and positive for, for PGR students. Great stuff. So in in terms of the the support and and drawing on that theme, I guess, as a PhD student just starting, how can you expect to be kind of welcomed into the doctoral community? What kind of activities and events will you be doing in those first few weeks? Yeah, so I can I can give you some examples of what we do at our university. And I think I think what's important to start off by saying is really thinking about well, what's the purpose of an induction? And I think induction um there's lots of things that it kind of covers. So on one aspect, you've got the the, the social interaction of, of meeting lots of different um, members of staff, meeting lots of different students. It might be your first time at an institution. So, so those key contacts are, are really important there. I think the other thing is establishing knowledge. So I think you need the knowledge of what you're going to be expected to do in your research. If you're new to the university, you need knowledge about the institution. You need knowledge about the support services. Um, so there's the knowledge, there's the social interaction. I also think there's a little bit around orientation. So if you're obviously there face to face, you need to know where you're going, where your office will be, etc. So that's, so there's a lot to actually cover in induction. So I think when it comes to what we do at our university, because there's a lot to do, we, we, try, we try to offer quite a lot of range of different stuff. So something that I've been responsible for directly in the doctoral college is setting up a central induction programme to really support one the the knowledge of the institution but also key contacts with other people so something we do is we put on an event called starting your doctorate and students are able to find out more about the professional services um, and also they're able to to talk to other new students starting and a series of different sort of activities um, that we normally run Um, departments have a role and responsibility so they have to make sure that people understand the logistics of of where they'll be studying who they'll be working with also important health and safety rules and regulations um but then i think the critical thing is really that contact with supervisors um so the supervisor's role and responsibility is making sure the new student coming in really understands what their expectations are in terms of their their research projects how they'll work together with the supervisor um, 
but also if there's any sort of issues and if there's any sort of challenges that they might face along the way, how they can resolve them. So there's a range of different things we have to do. And on, and on top of all of this, um, you've got a range of different social activities which might be organised by um, the Students' Union. There's there's many different departments who are putting on a lot of different stuff. And I think really it's it's my job in a central service to help students navigate and signpost through well, well what do you actually need to do in your first couple of weeks without being bombarded with with information and being overwhelmed golly that sounds so busy doesn't it <laughs> even you just listing it there there's so much going on um and it's interesting you picked up on that distinction between there being like separate key support groups so there's the central stuff the departmental stuff but also that key relationship with your supervisor too yeah and i think i think i think that's really important because i think if you think about community and if you think about doctoral engagement the way I always look at it is I always think that if you want a student to feel part of a wider university community they need to feel part of a local network first so it's really important to have a strong network at a a local level so when students join in they need to feel like they're part of a community within their department within their research group once they've got those foundations there then it's really important for us as a doctoral college to make people feel part of a wider community because one of the aims that we, we really believe in and something we think is powerful is that interdisciplinary working and actually once you've got those strong foundations in your departments and you can you can enable um, opportunities for students to network across different departments that's when I think there'll be much more opportunities for people later down in the line so I think having a sense of community at lots of different levels is really important um, but it takes time to, to build that so so coming into lots of different angles of supporting students is really critical. Okay, so it's kind of like a staggered approach. So you start with your basics in terms of information and relationship and then you can start to draw the other stuff in. Yeah, and and I think the other big thing I would say about induction is sometimes people might think, oh, induction is just attending an event or or going to your local um, session that, that your director of studies might put on or someone like us centrally might put on. And it's it's probably not. I think induction, you probably need to see sort of for your next sort of three to six months and think about, well, this is where I start right now. The first couple of weeks might be getting to know the the institution, the key contacts, etc. Over the first month, it's about building up what are you going to be doing as as your research project? How are you going to work with your supervisor? And then more long term, putting up together your own sort of development plan so what skills and development opportunities might you need to support you along the way um, if you've got a change of circumstances in your study or you notice something's not quite right um, you might want to speak to a professional services advisor so you might want to speak to someone in student services because you might feel that actually you're going to need a bit more support to, to achieve what you've set out with your supervisor um, but also it's going to take you a good sort of three months to really build those relationships and I think that's that's critical in in any sort of of field of work and especially in a PhD where it can be quite isolating I think to build relationships you won't know you've got positive relationships until about three to six months down the line so I think it's better for people to see it as a journey and not try to do too much but have a good understanding of what's going to be required of them over the next six months to really help plan that out. I think that's a great piece of advice because you do often think of induction as oh that's week one and then and then I'm off from PhDing I'm I'm ready to go but it's totally true like you those first six months for sure I can imagine are the the real induction period. Yeah, absolutely, and I think something we've tried to to do this year is not over bombard people with different information. So I think 
in some ways, um, COVID's really give us a good opportunity to do that. So what we used to have is we used to have our face-to-face sessions and we tried to cram everything into our face-to-face sessions. And it just wasn't effective because I just think people were there in presence but weren't really engaging with the content. So something that we've done as a result of COVID is we've put content on an online module that students can complete at any point of time. So on there, there's lots of information about the university, the support services, the different academic milestones that they have to do. And that's self-paced and they can go to that and refresh with that information. And then what we've been able to do is we've, put, we've done some shorter online sessions where students can meet other students, build those relationships, go into little breakout rooms, start networking with other students. And I think through having that blend, what we've been able to do is we've been actually able to support students to to slow down and actually say, we're not going to bombard you with information at the beginning. You've now got that opportunity where we'll support you with reading lots of different information, but you can spread that out throughout whatever time you want to do. Um, and then they've got those informal opportunities and those live sessions to meet some other, other, other new students. Amazing. So, yeah, one of the points that we wanted to raise today was what can a PhD student starting maybe online at the minute, what can they expect for induction? So it's great news to hear that things have been shifted online. And if anything, there might be some real benefits to that in terms of uh, digesting that information. Absolutely. I think... I think it's I think it's fair to say at the beginning online is, online is different. Um, it's more challenging. It is harder. Um, I think something that I've found talking to students and responding to student feedback at the moment is that sometimes it feels a bit superficial and it sometimes feels like the relationships are a little bit forced. Um, but I think my advice would be for for new students joining in the online environment just embrace what we're in at the moment and, and just and just do it. I think everybody's in the same position and as much as it feels like it's a little bit forced, the more you put you put in, the more you'll get out of that. Um, certainly what we've seen is we've seen better engagement. So actually by doing smaller things online, you see larger class sizes coming along to things. You're actually able to talk to people all across the world. So people now are networking with people who might be studying in a different country and that can obviously add value to someone's um, own experience. I think what was really nice is you hear different people's perspectives coming in. Um, it was great to see with the students that I've been working with that some students are really taken on board that the research environment is very different now. There's going to be new forms of research, um, but you've got to acknowledge that it is going to be different and it might feel a little bit strange to begin with, um, but there's lots of benefits there in terms of one, those connections, all working in a different environment, um, but also time is no longer an issue for people and so is commitment going to sessions that might have been put on and it's easy to to, to access everything. For sure you've given some amazing advice throughout so far but is there any kind of major key pieces of advice that we haven't covered that you would give to a PhD student um, for getting the most out of those first few weeks? Yeah I I guess for me top tips for, for new students one, build an effective relationship with your, your supervisor or your wider supervisory team. Um, I think the way you need to do that is it's it's probably not enough just to have a meeting with your supervisor and um, talk about what, what you're planning to do. I think you need to go into much more detail about how you will work together and what the expectations on both sides will be. I think something we see later down the, the line is breakdown of 
communication between supervisors and, and students and it's usually because there's a mismatch of expectations in terms of what they are expecting each other to do and um, so it might be your supervisor has a different style of learning to, to yourself and you need to be able to to come to a, a happy medium together to work out how you guys are, are going to work together so i think that's that's really critical i think the second thing is know exactly what you are required to do so really understand those academic milestones um, you don't want to be leaving things till last minute and then that adds extra pressure to, to what you're needing to, to be do so that might be reading materials doing all those online courses that, that you're expected to do um, and then I guess the final thing for me is build a wider network. So whilst you might be working remotely at the moment, it might feel more impossible to do that. But I would just encourage people to get involved with whatever's there. So if your department organises a virtual coffee morning, even if you don't like coffee, go <laughs> along to it. Get those connections um, with other students and feel like you're part of a wider group because it can be an isolating experience and it's a lot better for you to share your experiences with somebody else and if you go to those coffee mornings and in a month's time you're feeling a little bit low or you're feeling a little bit lost you can ask other people about how they're feeling and you might find that people are in exactly the same sort of position so i think it's build a relationship with with your supervisor know what you're required to do and by when and also build those relationships with other students amazing thank you so much ollie that i'm definitely going to take that advice and apply that to the rest of my induction period. And as a brand new PhD student, I can wholeheartedly say the induction from Bath has been really supportive. And I hope the information and tips you've shared today help new PhD students coming in so they get access to that great advice as well. Perfect, thank you. So just to finish off, is there any other major pieces of advice you would give to students thinking about starting a PhD or just starting about how to make the most of their first few weeks? I would say probably the biggest piece of advice that I could give somebody would be don't feel overwhelmed by the huge task that is in front of you. And so we said PhD in. Um, break it down into manageable chunks and what can you achieve over the next couple of weeks and whether it's just setting out research papers that you intend to read and making time to um to digest them and, and understand and the importance of them for your research and just not not looking at the bigger picture but just breaking it down into something that you can manage otherwise it just becomes um it becomes really difficult to to see how you're ever going to achieve um all the tasks that you have and it also doesn't help with imposter syndrome but i think never we set ourselves a huge task we're just setting ourselves up to um, to fail or to not succeed in, in achieving that task. So uh, that definitely doesn't help with making yourself feel like you're not capable or cut out for this. So just break things down into manageable chunks um, and what do you need to achieve over the next couple of weeks. So keeping it small and doable. That's probably my biggest piece of advice. Um, but also don't, and I guess it's kind of similar, just you don't need to say yes to everything and yes to everybody. Uh, don't um yeah don't uh, overwork it or don't burn the candle at both ends um because this is a you know you've got three years to do this so you don't need to be taken off at everything too soon you know, you've got loads of time to figure this out just pace yourself take your time sit back enjoy the journey and definitely for the first couple of weeks just take that time to meet people network um get your head around everything find your feet 
So it's like, well, fix your computer, whatever you need to do. <laughs> just take that time. Get to, the number uh, for yeah, IT. Just... <laughs> That's what you need. That's number, really... yes. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I've said this a couple of times, but I think the, the biggest take home for me would be talk to people, get to know other PhD students, even if they're not in your department. You know, they're still going through the same sort of journey. And a lot of that, whether it comes to imposter syndrome or the number for IT or where the good coffee is, they will know this stuff. And they're going to be your support for the next three or more years. So make an effort to get to know people and because, yeah, you're going to need them. And I think I mentioned snacks earlier. Just make sure you've always got snacks close by. And coffee. Um, good coffee. Good coffee. Good coffee and snacks. I would echo everything <laughs> that you've just said. Uh, and having having just finished my first few weeks, I'd say don't be don't panic if you feel like it's been information overload there's plenty of time to go back and find the information you need and and digest it at a pace that suits you as carol said it's it's not a sprint it's a marathon and you've got plenty of time to work out what you're doing um and just use those first few weeks to you know take a holiday sorry or build up your snack drawer or find the good coffee and just settle into to being the phd student and starting off your timeline that's side advice, I like that. <laughs> that was our introduction to the first few weeks of doing your PhD. We've also got an episode on the six months, so if you are past the first few weeks or you want to find out more about moving on into the rest of your PhD journey, we've got an episode on the six months as well, and the link will be on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. us.